welcome to another Guitar Wang podcast. Here we are again with the lovely gentleman before me, Mr. Bruce Foreman. And oh, hi, mate. Hi, hi. And Mr. Scott Henderson. Hi, Troy. How are you today? <laughs> Fucking hell. Where are we? We are we in... tell North- people where we are. We are in North Hollywood Prohibition Studios, and this is the studio where you cannot have a drink. Right. Doesn't well, seem okay. to. Oh, because the prohibition, I get it. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, it's really. really mostly because he's a cheap bastard and will give us one. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming again and uh, and doing another podcast with us. I think we're we're well into the double digits now. I know, and they said it wouldn't last. No, I said they wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my cow, my cow. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me, I was throwing my voice there. We roped that thing away somewhere. It's hard to find a good cow, man. You can't eat them all at once, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's talk about. Did <laughs> <laughs> you take your pill again? That joke, that joke that you said the other week was just so good. Oh man, he's still laughing. You see, that's I what like it is that with joke. Aussies. You make them happy. You tell them a good joke every three or four weeks, and they're just like <laughs> laughing the whole time. Uh, I'm trying to drag it out because I got uh, nothing at the moment. Just, yeah. My head's just scrambled. You guys talk for a while. Okay, let's talk. <laughs> you know what? No. As I said before, you know what burns my ass? <laughs> a flame about three feet high. <laughs> oh man okay there was some okay i'm going to start it off this is going to be i'm not going to mention who it is but there was some wanker and not in the good sense of the word on on the internet i saw today that uh was talking about he didn't listen to good players because he didn't want to be influenced by them and i think that 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 mindset is just the dumbest shit i ever heard in my life you listen and to so, bad so what? So you listen to bad players, so you're influenced by them, right? I mean, I don't know what the hell he's saying. You know, it's like, first of all, all y'all out there, you're never going to end up sounding like Wes Montgomery or George Benson or Jimi Hendrix or Scott Henderson or anybody. Just go ahead and try. If you know, you're not going to have, you're not going to want to. I mean, but for you to not and sit and really study great players of your instrument or whatever instrument you happen to like. Obviously, my if you listen to my playing, you can tell I listen to more of other instruments and transfer it into the guitar. That's just because I like it, you know, but I never worried about learning something because it would influence me. I mean, that's like, that's like programmed ignorance, you know? Unless you're one of those people that's a, like a minor bird that can really copy shit. <laughs> and then you just gotta look yourself in the mirror and ask why. You're using all that talent for that. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I feel a lot better now. <laughs> you feel better? You feel better? <laughs> you look like you feel better. No, I think uh, maybe what he means is, I, I don't know if that's what he means. Maybe he means he doesn't want to sound like any one person. I can understand the danger of listening to only one guitar player and just copying everything he does and trying to sound too much like him and then buying the same guitar he has and copying all his licks and then pretty soon you sound like a clone of him even if you don't sound as good as him but you sound like a clone of him and that's never a good thing but you know what they say if you steal from one person it's plagiarism if you steal from everybody it's research yeah so i sort of like to be influenced by as many different people as possible but and not just be? one i mean that's know? just like again do we, if we have to point this out we're dealing with a 
human being that shouldn't be allowed to put their pants on a little. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, 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 you know, the thing is, is wow, when you think of somebody like Alan Holdsworth, what a, when he first came out, what an incredible uh, influence he had on so many guitar players that there were literally hundreds of Holdsworth clones all of a sudden. Mm. Everybody was trying to sound like Alan, and I was one of them. Yep. Not, not to the degree of some. You know, I had, and I still have a few Holdsworthisms that I that I like. I mean, I play legato. I don't pick every note. You know, FYI, my, my, uh, Alan yeah. Holdsworth didn't invent legato. Oh, of course, right? Okay, but Just but there was saying. a tone. There was a big fat electric <laughs> tone he had that a lot of people tried to copy. Yep. You know, I loved Holdsworth tone. I was like, I I want to have a tone that's as fluid as that. You know, but I never got into actually learning his lines or or, or actually trying to play his stuff like a lot of guys did. And therefore, all of a sudden, boom, you've got hundreds of Holsworth clones that, of course, never will do anything as long as they sound like Alan, because you only need one, Yeah. right? And, and, and another example, you know, keyboard player-wise is Kinsey, you know, Zolinal, complete Zolinal clone. Uh, Kinsey hasn't worked in, I don't know, since Tribal Tech broke up, or he's worked a little bit. But he's lost a lot of gigs because, in fact, there's a famous guitar player that I said, why don't you hire Kenzie for this gig? He'd be great. And he said to me, if I want Joe, I'll hire Joe. <laughs> well, Joe's right? dead it's Just now. like, well, this was before Joe died. Oh. Well, now but, is he uh, working because Joe's died? I don't think so. Right. But If I were him, I'd have a Joe tribute band. Yeah. It, you know and what? wear all of Joe's clothes. But you know what he does? He does? What? He oh, does. sorry, never mind. <laughs> he does. <laughs> well, you see, he's a guy that doesn't have to call me for advice then. <laughs> I guess I won't be getting any calls from Scott. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, but I mean, I think maybe, of course, if you listen too much to one person and you start to sound like him too much, that's that's never good. But, but of course, you can hear influences in, in, we talked about this a few podcasts ago, so no need to bring it up again. To, oh, do I that. have a horrible memory? Oh, we we did. We talked about how you know players like Mike Brecker took the whole Coltrane vocabulary and built on top of it. Same way that uh, 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 Tommy Emmanuel took the Chet Atkins vocabulary and built so much on top of that. But yet, yes, both those guys have completely their own voice. But yeah, it started by was. being influenced by right. Yeah, some I mean, they're Chet also influenced, influenced by other people, so many, uh, not, many other people, yeah. many you know, other I mean, people. And, right. and anybody who's, yeah, I mean, I just, I just think making the statement kind of shows a willful, either ignorance or, you know, trying to misdirect people, or just a, an ego problem. Sorry. I mean, God, there's all this great knowledge in the world. Oh, I don't want to know any of that because it'll influence me. Well, first of all, I know the person you're talking about who said it, and I can tell you without a doubt that this person was influenced by at least five guitar players that I can name right now. And, and, and you want to know another thing I'd like to say about him? He is an original voice who is a great player, I think. I disagree. I don't think uh, he is a great player. Okay, but, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, I, and, uh, but I do... I do say that about him. Yeah, but I would. But I mean, I would agree know. with his statement that yeah. he had, that I can also point out five or six players I know the guy listened to. Yeah, for sure. 
Absolutely. So, Especially and, one main one that he listened to. Yeah. So, so I mean, so, uh, to make a statement like that. And we, I guess so, since we yeah. talked about people being able to call you up to do tracks, you probably, they could call you up and pay you money to tell them who it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. like, a, like a blindfold test. Yeah, and, right. And, and, you can just, yeah. For me, I won't, I won't ever divulge it. Never. You know, I did, a, I did a blindfold test for, for Downbeat one time, and it was just so not fair to 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 the lit to the readers because the guy who who was Bill Mikowski, you know, knows me and and it was so not a blindfold test because he played me stuff that of course he knew I knew who it was. Right. You know, like who's this? It's Birds of Fire, John McLaughlin, like duh. Right. <laughs> it's like, gee, who is that? Hmm, is that Leo Kotke? <laughs> Wes Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he didn't play one guy who wasn't so incredibly obvious who it was, right? And I said, and they're all guys I really like. So it was just like, okay, well, that's this, this off this record, and I really like it, but isn't this supposed to be a blindfold test? And then Are they you want trying you to, to fool me? Yeah, and they, wanted, they want you to say bad shit. They don't want you to say good shit. Well, I told him, actually, please don't play me uh, stuff that you know I hate, like happy jazz and stuff off the wave, because I'm just <laughs> going to say bad shit about it, and you know me well enough to know that, so he didn't. Yeah, yeah. He played me stuff that he liked, but I wish he had been a little more covert. You know what I mean? It was, it was just so obvious. So read it. Big, big news at 11. Yeah, right. Blindfold test yeah. rigged. Rigged, <laughs> rigged, rigged. Uh, uh, this is going to make this is going to push that that whole terrorist thing in Brussels right off the front page. Yeah, right? here's here's Pat Metheny from Bright Sized Life. Yeah, oh, right. gee, I've never heard that album. Right, and if the sound <laughs> you can't be? recognize the sound, <laughs> right? Who could that possibly be? Uh, I have a question for you guys. Yeah, uh -oh. I think this uh -oh. is. Uh oh, I think this actually comes from one of our listeners. Uh, what is 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 there some essential stuff that every guitarist like should should have under their fingers, as in songs? Oh, God damn it. We have to teach now? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, is that a I'm teaching I'm going question? to get a fucking drink. <laughs> okay, get a drink. And then we should at least Go answer ahead, that. Bruce, Go teach. Yes. yes. Like it, or it's safe yes. for the listeners out yes. there who are maybe, they're more country, they're more rock, and they're listening to you guys, they're a little the jazz bit guys. <laughs> a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> they're a little bit. Is that what you're so trying I'm trying to, to imagine a little bit rock, a little bit country. They're a little so, bit country so and western. They, they, they like country they, and they, western? They, they, drive, they drive a pickup and their old lady has tattoos. Is that what we're and they have a Confederate flag on the back of their and truck, and they're one, voting for Trump. Yeah, and they're what one? And, well, no, no, and their wife is, uh, you know, smokes pot. Yeah. All right. Yeah. For the for those players, or people just getting into the jazz playing, where do oh, they? Oh, we're start? talking jazz now. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. okay well, playing. obviously, give me a song where they should start. What's no, one no, song should, they should start? No, you should. I would say the first place to start is the common denominator of everything, which is the blues. And I would, I, would, I would immerse myself in various ways of playing the blues and listen to guys who played the blues in a jazz style, all the way from the most, you know, strong swing players to through, through modern guys who are playing the blues. And it's because you're already playing the blues when you're a rock player and you're a country player so that you can, there's some of your own reference points that will make it easier to understand what's happening. 
and and you'll 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 be you'll come in contact with a little different vocabulary, different rhythmic approaches, different harmonic, you know, different chain chord changes ideas. But at the same time, you're still in a place that you're fairly comfortable. So it's a, a way to understand it, the entry point. That would be the first thing I would say in any and in fact, you can do in the blues pretty much what any song already does anywhere else. There's a way to fit it into the format of the 12 bar blues. So I would say right there is to try and go in and really try and research all these various op options for how to play the blues. And then there's some essential repertoire, American repertoire that, 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 harmonic, that ha harmonic moves happen in and form in the way the form works that are the elements of songwriting. And one of them songs is Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> and God damn it, if you ain't gonna learn Sweet Home Alabama, hang up your goddamn guitar and forget about it. <laughs> I didn't know Billy Bob was here today. <laughs> My relatives are from Tennessee. I can do that accent really good. Yeah, you're from Florida. Oh yeah, you're right from Palm Beach. All you know is delicatessens and, and whining, right? <laughs> For me, and, and, and yes, I'll tell you what, I do have an essential 10 songs that people gotta, le gotta learn, you know? Let's see if I know them. Really? Okay. Oh, this is good. Okay. We, you want to do this? Yeah. yeah I'll, top, I guarantee okay. you Bruce's I don't know top at least 10? eight of them. Okay. okay. Bruce's top 10. Okay. I, I would say songs you need to know if you really want to start playing jazz. Okay. By, uh, by Autumn Leaves. Don't know it. Oh, shit. Seriously, it, it, don't it. know it. Say that again. Autumn leaves. Don't know it. And there's various reasons why I, would, I have these songs. Okay. The, the, the reason why I choose them is, A, their form has something to teach you about the way other songs are built, so when you understand the way the song works, just by learning this song, you kind of automatically kind of know other songs. Um, the way they har move harmonically is like something that happens in a lot of other songs, and this is the best place to really take a good melody that goes with that harmony and to really learn to digest it so that when you come across it in a million other songs, you'll learn it. So that's, that's those, and the third reason I would pick these songs is because everybody who plays jazz generally knows them. So if you want to go play with experienced players, which is the best way to learn, then by having these songs under your belt, you're never going to have a problem with them saying, I don't know it. <laughs> This is why I do so terrible at John Fasano's Guitar Night when I'm a guest, because he would call Autumn Leaves, and I would have to get my real book out and turn to the page and read the fucking thing. Really? I really, I yeah. really admire your honesty, because if I didn't know Autumn Leaves, I wouldn't admit it. No, I, I don't know it. I don't give a fuck about it. So, well, okay, well we can stop okay. there because no, this no, is going to no, bore No, 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 no. I want to no, know. I want to know if I know this any of your other ten, because let's see if I do. All right, okay. so he doesn't know okay. Autumn Leaves. So I, don't know I would, Autumn I would have take the A train. I don't know that one. Okay, Keep that going. and again, and I mean, there's various reasons, but but back to the original, mm -hmm. um, I would have all the things you are. I know that one. Okay, ding. And, 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 and again, <laughs> again, do I get a pie? Again, it's a diff it's a difficult song. It's I kind of almost hate putting it on the top ten because it's a hard one to learn. It's a really challenging song compared to all the others, but it's it's the world's best. Uh, explanation of how the cycles work, how the chords go around the cycle of fifths or the cycle of fourths, whatever you want to say. It is the really the best study for how that 
interacts with each other and it's got a cool form in that it even though it sort of acts like an AABA song it's got an extension at the end and the first A and the second A aren't the same and it's got some cool modulations it's really an amazing song and needs to be learned okay so, so you how to just to recap yeah autumn leaves yes then you had take the A train take the A train okay yeah yeah and you had all the things you are, right? Right. Now, now this is this one. Generally, and over the years, I've always said "ain't misbehaving," but I've changed my mind and, and moved it to "it could happen to you." Be only because a million more people seem to play it now, and it has what I want them to learn, which is the way a chord progression can ascend, you know how like you, like in the key of E flat, you go from E flat to an E diminished to an F minor to an F sharp diminished, the way a chromatic ascending, but you can also play that as a cycle of fifths where you go like E flat to G minor C7, F minor to A minor D7, you can do it either way. This song shows you how to do that. And it's a great, and it's again, it's another one at any jam session, if you were to call it, everybody would know it. Except me. Except well, Scott. Scott's not. You know, Scott's in a different world, and Scott likes it there, and we don't want to. We don't want to interrupt him. You know. Okay. This is. I got one though. Keep okay. going. Keep going. Okay. Okay. Uh, how about there will never be another you? Nope. Never be another. I'm writing these. Down. I'm not doing so good. Here. Okay. There will never be another you. That's that. That this one has the famous back cycling of changes, along with a great melody and a, a typical song form where you have eight bars and then a first ending and eight the same eight bars again and then a different ending, different second eight bars. This is like a typical song form of so many songs. So you're learning form, along with this has the thing where if you start on an E flat, you go to. It, to get back to the four chord, it's called back cycling. It happens in the blues. Mm -hmm. it happens in the song of Charlie Parker. It's called Blues for Alice, where it goes like. It will go E flat, D minor, G7, C minor, F7, B flat minor, E flat 7, A flat. That kind of a way of using the changes. So this song teaches you that. Oh, a song that I would have put really early is Honeysuckle Rose. Nope. You ever <laughs> heard Scrapple from the Apple? No. Nope. Okay, that's a Char famous Charlie Parker tune that's based on Honeysuckle Rose. Honeysuckle Rose is the world's best study of 251 ever. And it's wow. got a bridge that's pretty much... More standards have a version of this bridge than any other song. This is like the template for the average bridge of a standard. It's an A, B, A tune. And the melody is one of the most quoted bebop licks of all that kind of idea that comes straight. That is Honeysuckle Rose. Mm -hmm. um, Scott's got one. I got one. <laughs> okay, uh, how many is that? We got one, two, three, six. Okay. Only six? Yep. We got four to go. Okay. I'm going to put Satin Doll on there. Okay. Equally, a Duke Ellington piece. Everybody plays it. It's, <laughs> it's a great study. It's a great study in 251 <clears throat> and how it all works. It's just, and it's a tune that you, you, know, you should know. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm assuming, Scott, these don't work well with distortion. I don't know. I, I think they work great with distortion. I'm Matter of sure fact, would. I'm going to produce. I'm going to produce a record with these ten songs in Scott. Oh, play. that didn't would, know. I'd pay for that. Yeah, right, but I wouldn't make any money off it, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. I'll pay as much as those people who are paying you overseas. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it? That'd be great. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would put this song called Green Dolphin Street on there. 
I kind of know that one. Right. And kinda it's, know it's that another one. one that has a, that form like uh, There Will Never Be Another You, eight bars, and then a first Isn't ending, that eight da, bars. Da, 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 that right. one? Yeah. Right. Okay. I, yeah, and, I know that and, one. And it's also got a really cool thing because the first eight bars is a triadic shift. Okay, I got two. In the key of, for instance, C, it would go like C up to E flat or C minor to D to D flat to C, that whole shifting triads. And then it's got a bunch of two five ones. And it's also the second A kind of really has a cool way of back cycling through the relative minor. This happens in a million other songs. So by learning this song, you're not just learning this song, you're preparing yourself to play the, the entire volume of the American Songbook. Uh, right. Another song, I believe we're at nine now, aren't we? Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. Okay, nine would be just friends. Sorry, Scott. This is making Scott feel really good. <laughs> he's, he's looking suicidal over there. Looks he's bad he's, for me. He's sucking on his vanilla soy latte. Looks bad, really. <laughs> Looks bad for me. And he's sucking his thumb at the same time. This is yeah, really bad. Anyways, uh, just friends. In this just song, friends. this song is a great song because it it starts on the four chord. And that's how there's a lot of tunes that start in the four chord, and they're really great songs. And it's a sound you got to learn to hear, and that's and it's a great melody, and it's fun to play. And Charlie Parker's version, Charlie Parker with strings, his version of Just Friends is maybe one of the best pieces of music in recorded history. I'm just here to say. Um, and now we're at ten, and I'm going to throw this one on. This is a really hard song. Well, this is ten. That was this, nine. That was nice. So this, this is my 10th one. I'm putting this on here, and I want to give it a disclaimer because it's a really kind of difficult song and, and very unorthodox. But because it's that way, everybody loves to play it, so it's something you need to know. And it's good to have one in there that's just going to bust your chops. So this is called Stella by Starlight. Ah, Stella by Starlight. And I wouldn't, in normal, I wouldn't say that it, it would be in my top 10 except for that it's in everybody else's top 10. And... Part of this list is to get you functional and playing with people. So learn these songs. And what I mean learn these songs is to know the melody and know the chord changes. That's all I'm asking. And then the more you play them, the better you'll get. And the more you play them with good players, the better you'll get. I love that. That's, that's great. Well, sorry. I know that one. Well, that's great? Stella. Oh, Stella. Yeah. I'm, about, I've played it on an album, so come, that's why I know Why it. didn't you put Cherokee on there? Uh, it would, you know, it's a good song, but it's it's it just wouldn't be in my top ten. I mm -hmm. mean, it just wouldn't be. Right. It's it's kind of a long form. It's super long, but it's it's a really great tune, and I've I think I've recorded it numerous times. Scott, do you have like some jazz standards that you do like go back to, or, or you? Do well, I have tons into... of them that I know, but they're right. not they're not as old as those. Yeah, yeah, no, you're yeah. in a different sort of... I different, know, different but thing. I do know lots of standards, yeah. but they're just not those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, I guess they're more modern ones. I know Black Nile, I know, uh, I know Witch Hunt, I know uh, Fee-Fi-Fo-Fum, I know um, um, Speak No Evil. All um, Wayne Shorter all Tunes. All Wayne Shorter Tunes. And, and, and actually, I, know, I gotta say, Black yeah. Nile... That's that's one da 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 da. Yeah, I've rewritten that song like four times. That but that progression also is there. I can play a bunch of tunes before that 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 have that exact same harmonic progression. Okay, it's not Wayne didn't invent it. It's it's just kind of when you play a minor chord and you drop a whole step to a minor two five and then you got the major chord and then you drop a half step and you got the five chord to get back and that descending minor progression. 
And very, there's very a lot of similarities even in Autumn Leaves to that song. But oh, it's got a very it's got a very cool harmonic progression that I just love and Black Nile was the place I learned it. And like mm. I say, I have many songs that I can see direct DNA from that song. It's a great song. All those songs, those Wayne tunes, are brilliantly amazing. And Wayne then, was and just then, incredible. You know, I know other songs that aren't Wayne songs like, you know, Moments Notice, Giant Steps, a um, couple Coltrane tunes. Um, I know, uh, let's see. Oh, there's tons more. I know, yeah. I know uh, um, Black Narcissus. Um, What's that other tune uh, that's um, record a May? Just I mean, lots of I know lots of standards. They just aren't uh, they're not as old as the yeah. you know they're not like the first. They're standards. more like, like jazz yeah. standards is the ones yeah ones. They're, I guess they're so. songbook yeah. standards yeah. like yeah. most of them don't have words except what like we're going on a going on a going on a witch hunt. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 exactly. <laughs> With great lyrics, by the way. Thank you. Take some giant steps. Yeah, some more giant steps. Step to here, step to there. <laughs> step to anywhere. I like the lyrics that you said for giant steps, you know, the real lyrics. Oh, that's, that's yeah, are, yeah, yeah, the, the real lyrics, because yeah. there was actually somebody, giant steps is, is a great song, and I, I, love working on it i still work on it all the time i have just volumes of of ideas on giant steps and with my students we really dig deep into it we have what we call the giant steps lesson which usually turns into many it taught me so much stuff and i really believe in the song and i love it and of course that record is a huge part in my influences if i can admit to listening to other people but no you um, can't do that you um, can't do that yeah right so um (laughs) But Giant Steps, you know, a couple of singers tried to write like silly lyrics to it, you know, Giant Steps, this is Giant <laughs> shit like that. Anyways, but the real lyrics, because we play this song all the time. As a matter of fact, Scott and I played it when we made some of the uh, cue music for oh, this. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, if you hear us play it, you'll, if you hear anybody play it, you'll know what the lyrics are, because it's usually you're going, and you're going, shit, fuck, damn, shit. That's the lyrics to Giant Steps. If you can hear what a guy's saying when he's playing, that's the lyrics to Giant I use the lyrics every time I play Giant Steps. That's cool. like 40 choruses without a mistake but on the 40 41st one you'll hear a fuck oh man i have a comedy routine that i do actually on stage of that so (laughs) i love that it's one of those ones i do and the you know the musicians are laughing and and their girlfriends are all looking at them like what 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 what, what's happening Lol. 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 Well. Let's modulate. Let's modulate. Okay. Why are you guys looking at me? 
Well, you're, you're the, the moderator. moderator. You're, you're, you're the moderator. I, <laughs> do your job, like, bitch. I feel so scared. Pour a drink. Do something. Make a pizza. I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking. Um, you got a question from anybody that doesn't have to do with scales? <laughs> yeah, I did have a good, psoriasis. I had a good question. Psoriasis. You ever have psoriasis? Yeah. How do you How do you guys mm. deal with you know like juggling so many different things in life? You know, you've got you've got kids. One. One. If you want to call my dogs kids, that's four. <laughs> well, the, okay. Life, just in, ge- in general, and juggling. Well, I can't have kids. You, you can't, why? My dog's allergic. <laughs> <laughs> how do you guys juggle life, practicing, and, you know, how are you guys worked around? Because, you know, life sometimes gets in the way of what we want to be doing, of course. Mm. Yeah, you know, bills and shit and what you got to do. How do you guys go with that? You know, relationships, all that, and coming back to the guitar and focusing on that. This is a question. Oh, wise someone. one, Scott Henderson. Please uh, tell us. Wise <laughs> Yogi, Yogi, wise. Yogi Dogi. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you just you just pick a priority. Simple as that. <laughs> so yeah, the that's kids that's back. it. That, you know, that, yeah, well, you could do that. I, I didn't write for 10 years because because of my daughter. Mm-hmm. I thought oh, she was more... Oh, you put that on her? her. Yeah, but she's going, what a guilt con. What a guilt. Man, no. a I mean, guilt. no, I seriously, and I don't... I, don't, I hope I, she doesn't I, hear this. I really, really don't... It doesn't bother me in the slightest bit, and she knows she will know that too. Yeah. I was totally happy to, to just give up locking myself in my studio for, for 10 years because those 10 years, her first 10 years were really important for me to spend with her mm-hmm. and to you know spend as much time with her as I could and that involved not locking myself in my room anymore you know right. not writing not just just being a being a dad because mm-hmm. I, I I was I was Jesus I was you know 50 years old before I was a dad right, right. so I've had it took a career, you that long to a, figure it out yeah it, it did so <laughs> so, so, so it, it, I, I had a long career and I have a pretty selfish lifestyle just me my guitar and me 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 and i wanted to do something that wasn't selfish that was just about her only Mm. about her i just wanted to live my life for my daughter and just be there for her now she's grown up she's 12 she doesn't need me that much anymore she's back she's studying she's doing her homework every night after school you know i can lock myself in my my studio now and not feel guilty about it you know uh I'm writing again. I did this album, Vibe Station. But that's why there was a big, long gap between Well to the Bone and Vibe Station because I was a dad for those nine years Mm. and didn't write, didn't want to do any records. I did um, the Tribal Tech X records and HBC record because they were so damn easy. Tribal Tech is just about going in the studio and jamming with absolutely no pre-written material. You just go in and jam and then you take the songs and produce them. So it didn't, that, that process takes like one, one-tenth of the time of writing for an album and that. Same thing with HBC, we were playing covers. Hmm. How easy is HBC that? HBC is, is the Henderson Berlin Chambers. I thought, I thought you said yeah, HPV. H, H, yeah, <laughs> HBC. And, and all we did was covers on the, that record, just playing Herbie Hancock, Billy Cobham, Weather Report, so no writing involved. Just go in there and learn the songs and play them. That whole record took a month. But what about so, like your daughter was so, at school um, sometimes? Like so when 
Yeah, yeah, but but it, it was a conscious it's, decision it's not, yeah. that you were just like no, ah. it's I can't be that way. My my thing is weird, man. When I get into writing, I'm locked. Wow, don't bother me. Yep. You know what I mean? I'm like in the studio. I'm composing. I don't play my guitar. I don't play. I don't improvise. I don't do anything. I write, and I only come up for food. You know, and wow. that's it. And, and, what do you and, mean? How do you? Uh, I'm trying to get this price. So you, you're not writing with the guitar in your hand? No, I'm writing with the guitar in my hand, but I'm not practicing anymore. Oh, okay. okay and I, 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 I have a practice schedule, daily practice schedule, where I like to I like to play for at least two or three hours a day. Mm. You know, when I can. Yep. And and that practice schedule gets thrown away. I don't do that anymore. There's no time for it. Yeah. So I sit there and I work and I write and I write from the moment I wake up till the moment I when I go to bed. What's no TV, no nothing, no wow. breaks. I mean, breaks, but yeah. not... Of course, I take breaks, but, you know, that's what I'm doing. So it's, it's like, you know, and the family knows it. If I'm in that mode, then I'm in that mode. It's almost like I'm on the road. Right. So like almost like I'm on tour. What's, what time Just, are you waking up? You know, nine o'clock. Okay. Wake up right yep. till about nine o'clock and hang out with the family for the rest of the night and, mm-hmm. or seven o'clock. It's a good 12-hour day of, of work. And if I'm lucky, I can write an album in maybe a month or two. You know, if, oh. if, if, I'm, if I have any luck at all. Okay. <laughs> See, that, that interests yeah. me about how you guys work. And I want to, to me, that's really important how, like, that make, that, all those reasons you gave me there is the reason why you're Scott Henderson. Well, I don't know. I mean, well, you know, it's, it's not the only way to do no, it. I mean, you could way, you could write for a little. You could write for a couple hours a day, practice for a couple hours a day. I just prefer not to do it that way. Right. Yeah. I don't like to mix it up. Yeah. I don't think I don't think I do as good a job when I mix it up. It's like I need a full concentration on what I'm doing, to and 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 I need lots of rest retrospect because I'm going back in and listening to work I did three weeks ago. And, and carving new things into it and doing new things now, to is it. This, you know, is this so. recording process, this, not the recording process, this is just writing? Just writing. Yep. But it is a recording process because everything I'm ri- I write is, is recorded. Right, so you're analyzing um, everything going Sure. You know, I'm coming back days later and listening to this and going, ah, not really. Like, what if I transpose this to this, you know, and stuff. And, you know, the, the mood changes from day to day. You yeah. like something one day, you come back a few days later, you don't like it. Or vice versa. Yeah. So, so for me to be try to try to put any other kind of input into that process, like practicing and stuff, veers me way off the subject of what I'm doing, and I, I don't want it. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll practice when I get when I when I finish writing, I'll practice twice as hard to catch back catch up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, just, just, just the way I do it. And Bruce, like you don't have kids, but I know you. In a sense, you do have a lot of kids over the years you've taught, and you've nurtured. Yeah, right? I mean, life a lot of just sort of conspires to set my schedule in some ways. I'm a very project-oriented person. When I'm working on a record, I'm working on a record, but I still work a lot of gigs, and I'm still teaching. Yep. And um, I'm older now, and so I have a really good relationship with my wife, and she's independent, and I'm independent, and we both have, she's an artist, along with being in one of the bands I do, so she gets it, and we, we, we work around the, the rhythm of life. Yeah, yeah. Um, time management, however, is a huge thing. I would say that with my students, particularly in the university, that is the biggest thing they need to learn. 
is how to manage time, to achieve what they're achieving and use their time wisely. And if you got to do what Scott's got to do, do it. You know, I mean, that's cool. But there are other ways to do it, as he said. But it's just good management of resources and time mm. that is a hugely adult skill that will help anybody. Where did you learn that from? Uh, I think just from screwing up a bunch. Yep. And I'm, I'm, I'm a project-oriented person. So I'm very much like Scott, even though I might be pulled away from it to, in order to play a gig or to make money to live. I, but I'll always go... Uh, you don't need to... You don't need to worry. If I'm writing, if I'm in the middle of a writing for a project, I'm not going to be watching TV. Right. You don't need to worry about that. I may spend a couple hours a day teaching because it's my living, or I may go out and play gigs because it's my mental health is at stake. But whatever the major projects are, you don't need to remind me I got to spend time to do them. Mm. I'm totally on it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I've never had a problem with it. I'm like a border collie. You know, I'll sit and stare <laughs> at a tennis ball, wait for it to move for two days. You know, <laughs> and, and it's so I'm real good at that. And uh, but it's not hard because it's my happiness. That's what makes me happy. It makes me feel alive. Yeah. So I love doing it. It's not it's not something I hate doing. That's and, that's something I want to interject. That's the big thing that he just said. It makes you happy. Because I know that when I'm composing, some people would say, well, that, Jesus, you're treating yourself really badly there. No, I wake up with music in my head. I can't wait to get into the studio. To, to, I'm having fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that's why I don't mind giving up gigs or giving up this or giving up that because I'm having a ball. I'm having a great time. And that's the whole thing. It's, it's good time management, but at the same time, it's what you love. So right. no no problem, and, and and our records are very different, particularly the re different from the record he just did. Yeah. yeah. Um, but nonetheless, there's a lot of writing and planning that goes into my records, and I I generally find I like to set a timeline. I just think about it before I do it, and I said, well, I'm going to give myself this much time to write the base, to decide on the material, write the basic material, arrange it. I'm going to give myself this much time just to play it by myself, which is taking it through different keys, like he said, finding new things in it, letting the songs talk to me, rather than make it all a process of me controlling it, turning the paradigm completely around, and just playing the tunes that I've written and the arrangements I've written, just playing through them a whole bunch, and letting them talk to me, and all the things that just sort of occur to me that wouldn't have occurred to me in that space of where I'm in control of it. I'm just playing, oh, I move it through another key or maybe change the groove up or change the tempo up, What you know, just creatively. And then when I get to that place, then I play it with the musicians for a while and let them add their spices to it. Then I record it. If it's a trio record or if it's something I'm in control of. Now, a lot of times back in the day when I had a record contract and I had to do a record and they wanted me to use guys in New York, you know, that were big name. And of course, I couldn't have time to rehearse with them very much. And, uh, I, and, and looking back, I wish I'd done it a little differently. Knowing, having gone through that process, I learned a lot of things and wish I could do that again. Because I really the important thing in those situations is do the heavy lifting yourself. If I go in and I'm going to play with like great guys, like I would love to do a record with Kenny Barron and Ray Drummond and you know, so and Jimmy Cobb or something, you know, uh, I would make their parts almost not even parts. 
everything would be done by me and they could just basically write their own parts just in the moment. I would make it so easy, like it was their record and they were playing their music because I can see that my overriding and trying to have a vision of even though I could hear them playing it, going in and trying to do it that way wasn't maybe the most mature way to go about it. And uh, although they, the records did come out fairly well, and, and again, my music is about you go and you play it. You don't layer it, you don't add parts, you don't pick the best this track from that and make, this, I did it back to two, you know, live two track, you know, so it's like we didn't have a whole lot of the mixing suite options that you have with Pro Tools kinds of things. So, but that being said, I think it's pretty obvious. If I had a gig tomorrow night with Scott and we agreed that we're going to do these tunes, whatever they are, you pretty much know that today I'm going to be practicing those tunes. Yeah. I'm going to spend the time doing that. And if I have a gig playing with a Brazilian band and they've got a lot of odd meter grooves or something, Brazilian grooves, you can bet that I'm just checking those grooves out and playing them and trying to get as comfortable as I can with them just because I wanted to do that project. That project is a great creative project. It's teaching me a lot of stuff. I'm looking to find new things in it. So you don't need to tell me what to practice. Life conspires half the time. And when I have the luxury of deciding what I want to practice, because maybe I don't have a record looming, <coughs> pardon me, or whatever, then it's usually just kind of where it goes. Working on stuff, playing tempos, pulling stuff off of records, uh, remembering things. Oh, yeah, I was at Scott's gig a while ago, and I taped a little bit of it. I wanted to check that out. And I'll, you know, I'll just kind of go over it and re re remember what it was and get my head around it. You know, that's... That's that discovery process of the luxury of not having a career, a gig, <laughs> yeah, a gig looming, a, a something no, that I have students, to do right now. The students that ask those kind of questions, they don't understand what it's like to have a career, hmm. because because if you have a career, everything you practice has to do with what you're going to do in your career. Hmm. Period. It has to be. You know, if you're if you're working on a record, you got to write for it. If you've got a gig, you've got to practice for that gig. Blah, blah, blah. They don't understand that because they don't have those kind of things. So they ask questions, well, how do I manage my time? What do I practice on? And that's a valid question because they don't have those things where they're forced to practice. And then you just try to tell them, look, I always tell my guys, I don't know what you tell your guys, but I tell my guys, you've got to spend a lot of time because a lot of my students don't know the names of the notes on the strings. So you've got to, I always tell them to go through a tune and go up and down each individual string and find those chord tones for a particular tune. Every time the chord changes, move up the string and find the chord tone for that tune. Or play that game, can I go or can I stay? You know, play on an, play an A, right? And, and say the chords, you know, an E sus. Does that A work? Yeah, because it's the fourth, so it's cool, right? Now the chord is a G7. Does that A work? Yes, because that's the ninth, and it can be a G ninth chord, blah, blah, blah. I you know, know that game. Now the, now, now, <laughs> you know, now the chord is an A-flat major 7. Can I play that A? No, because the A, there is no A in an A-flat major 7. But you can move it down to, you know, you can move it to the A-flat or you can move it up to the B-flat. You know what I mean? To, 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 to make it work on that chord. So that's the kind of stuff that I teach them because they don't know that and they need to know it if they want to play over chord changes. Mm. Then I tell them another thing they need to do is transcribe. They need to go in there and, and, and learn these not big long lines from players. Maybe they want to learn a few, but to learn small, small four and five, six note things, words, 
and spend at least a week on each one and get it into your playing and change the rhythmic aspects of it, change the modal aspects of it, make it sound like you, you know, uh, not like the person you learned it from. Be able to play into it seamlessly, play out of it seamlessly, make it part of your vocabulary, which takes at least a week, you know, if that, it may be two weeks for some people. So, you know, uh, that's part of what they've got to do. They got to work on their tone. They got to work on their time. Um, And then how many hours do you have to practice every day? Well, I've got six hours. Well, okay, then it's simple. Spend an hour on this, spend an hour on this, spend an hour on this, spend an hour on that, you know. And it's it's kind of common sense, depending on what I think they need to work on, because obviously they don't have any gigs, so they can't say I'm a project practicer because they have no projects. But they understand us, I think, when we say we're project practicers because you know I have a gig tomorrow night, so obviously I'm practicing on the stuff that I have to play. Yeah. If it's a if it's a gig where I'm having to play over a lot of changes, I'm practicing playing over those changes. If it's a gig where there's a lot of parts and I haven't played those parts for a while, I got to practice the classical aspect of the gig, you know, so that I don't fuck up every every, every melody. <laughs> you know, I mean, and yeah. granted, I don't have students that don't know the names of their notes. <laughs> <laughs> but I would take them. I mean, I really don't, I got no problem, I love to, you know, for me, teaching is, is, is fun, and I got no problem helping people learn that stuff. I think, you know, getting good information early is, is a great thing, and, and I can, you know, I've, God, it's, as bad as my memory is, I can still remember learning the instrument, mm. and having trouble with it, and I can empathize, uh, um, how quickly, in, like say in the morning, you guys wake up, how quickly is the guitar in your hand? Is it, is it something you guys do every day, like as a habit? You have. To oh, have I generally sit. play every day. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I try to. There are some times where I'll purposely not play it. Like I, I was on a hot streak till Sunday, and then I taught all day um, Monday at school. So, I mean, I had been like for three weeks just blasting all this great shit. And so yesterday I purposely just took the day off just to let the hands not touch it and let the sound go out of my ears but today I was chomping at the bit this morning when I woke up just to play so I mean I would do that I think that I think what Scott was talking about is great for a young player although I would before transcribing I would have learned some songs first so that you have a a template of something you know yeah, to put I'd, them in. I'd agree and I'm that, not yeah. talking about reading them in the real book. I'm talking about yeah. knowing them. Even yeah. just know one song. Sure. Because and then transcribes. Because yeah. that, that's really, I think, the biggest problem with most people who you're young and playing jazz now is they don't know any goddamn songs. So they really can't play. And then they're learning licks and scales. And how do they think that they're going to be able to play any music? They're, they don't know a song. They don't even understand how melody and rhythm and form and, and, and harmony all interact. I mean, it's just like this continuum of diarrhea fingers, you know? Well, Learn I, a song. I mean, that's the way this music, that's the way music throughout the continuum of music until now was learned, is people heard a song and were taught by somebody else and then they learned to play it. Mm-hmm. 
That's I, what it always was. And now we've got this way of, man, you can manage to play jazz without knowing a fucking song. <laughs> it's called The Real Book. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're going to sound like you learn you're playing jazz when you don't know. It, you know, it's a bunch of diarrhea. Hmm. Well, people, my students, they know that I'm done. Too. I'll go back to sleep. No, no, seriously, <laughs> though, that's a good, great point. And I have to say that that's the first thing I teach my students is one song. Hmm. It's usually something really easy like Blue Bossa. Like, we're going to do everything we do, but we're going to do it in the context of Blue Bossa or Tune Up or some really, really right. easy tune. Great, both because, great tunes for, for what he's talking about. For teaching. And because, easy yeah. songs to learn. Yeah, you cannot learn chord voicings unless you learn them in the context of a song because it's math like put your finger here and here and here and here's a nice voicing of c major seven great what are you going to use it for you know just are you just going to stand there and just go blank and play the song that's it's what they gotta, told me with a gun i was just going to use it on target practice yeah, right. but then she pissed me off <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> everything has to be in context. That's that's the bottom line. No matter what you learn, if it's a lick, if it's a chord, whatever, it's got to be in context of a song. Otherwise, it's not music. So that's sort of, I didn't say that, but it, I always thought it sort of goes without saying. But there are students who don't know that. They're transcribing licks off records, and they don't even know what chord is under the lick that they're transcribing. Right They're on. just recording a lick. Is, is this, well, what is that a major lick? Is it melodic minor? Is it diminished? What chord was it under? Was it under a minor, a major, a dominant? You got to know that. So that's why I always suggest that they transcribe from a tune that they know. Hmm. And I pick, pick Blue Bossa and I give them about 15 different versions of different people playing it. And here you go. Now you know the song. Now you can go transcribe and hear what these people are playing over this song. And then they're a little bit closer to reality. So, so Amen. we're teaching again, God damn Amen. it. Yeah, I didn't whatever, talk hey, about anything. I didn't ask buying. that question. I God was like, what do you guys, Fuck. how do you guys deal with time and family and life? No, no, you no, guys back to teaching. Okay. Fucking teaching. God damn it. I yeah, get paid that for was this you. Shit. You guys did that. I didn't do that. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Was, All right, I gotta. What, it's okay. What yeah, you said it was right. Great information. <laughs> right, and you know, and I'll give you five bucks. Answer. It was pretty much what it's worth. Okay. Okay, I'll buy you. A, I'll buy you a cocktail. Okay. Okay. God damn it. Are you walking the dog right now, or maybe you're running in the park, maybe even working out in the gym? Or you're sitting in your car in traffic, listening to Guitar Wank podcasts. We don't accept any responsibility for whatever happens on your end, just so you know, okay? But what we do accept is your pictures for the Guitar Wank podcast. Do you like how I went into that, that segue? It wasn't bad. <laughs> Go to the website, guitarwank.com, buy a t-shirt, buy a mug, Take a picture, send it to guitarwank at gmail.com or post it on our Facebook site and you are in the running for some amazing prizes from our sponsors who are Dear Dario Guitar Strings, a Fishman Triple Play, Dunlop, Jim Dunlop uh, Guitar Picks, My Music Masterclass, um, Sir Guitars and Amps are going to throw in an amazing guitar pedal, Wireworld Pro Audio, they're throwing in a fantastic guitar uh, cable. Uh, exotic Pedals, Scott's new badass pedal that he brought out, signature pedal. He's 
going to sign that. We have uh, Scott and Bruce's new CDs that they released. They'll sign a copy of that and send it to you. Um, we also have uh, a new addition to the prize list. Two Notes uh, have sent us a list of amp simulators that they're going to throw into the hat, so they'll be up for grabs. And uh, we would just like to say a massive thank you to all our sponsors. We really appreciate all your support. And a massive thanks to Sennheiser Microphones. You guys seriously rock. We're using their lab mics and it's helped tremendously. So thank you guys for your support there. And uh, let's get back to the show. Guitar Wankopedia. Ladies and gentlemen, what have we got this week? Well, I'd like to mention my good friend Tim Miller in Boston who teaches at Berkeley mm -hmm. and has some records and he's just a wonderful player and he has a really unique way of recording his guitar. He, he has what you'd call the regular miking technique of, of, of you know, miking the speaker but he also mics the strings of the guitar and mixes that somehow together and oh, it's wow. just a, it's a very unusual sound and really nice and he has tone thing just nailed plus he has some really brilliant compositions and a very nice way of playing, very, very uh, fluid way of playing. And he's just a great musician. So, hi, Tim. Tim Miller. Tim Miller. Out of Boston. Yeah. And we great, can, great we can obviously find him on the web. He's, yeah. He, oh, he's yeah. A, a, like, he tours with any of them or teaching or. I'm not sure who, who he's touring with. Right. But, but I know he does have some gigs. He, he's, he's, I'm not sure if he's one of those guys that goes on tours with pop stars or not, um, but he has his own group for sure. Uh, he's worth checking out, definitely. Okay, Tim Miller. Thanks, Tim. Awesome. G'day, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for all the support you guys have been giving us, all the feedback, all the sharers all the comments. We love hearing from you guys and you are the reason why Guitar Wank podcasts are continuing. So really, you only have yourselves to blame. Thank you. A quick reminder, mymusicmasterclass.com. Go there, check out Scott Henderson and Bruce Foreman's tutorial videos. You won't regret it. So much great information and also a lot of other great musicians there. MyMusicMasterclass.com Whoa, stop the presses because we've got a treat for you guys this week. We had the one and only Albert Lee in Prohibition Studios. I love this guy. He's, such, he's one of my favorite guitar players on the planet. And one of the best pickers on the planet. This guy is so amazing and such a sweetheart. He came into the Prohibition Studios and we had him for a few hours. He was so kind to give us a, a great interview and just talk to Bruce on the couch. And the two of them got into it and it was just fantastic. And such a, an awesome guy and some great stories uh, about how he started off. And just a really good interview. So don't miss that. We're going to put it up on guitarwank.com and we'll have it in all the other places, so look out for that. And an interview with Albert Lee, Bruce Foreman, and I was there just for shits and giggles. So um, don't miss that. Damn it, I, uh, I watched um, I was, I watched a really cool documentary on 
Um, well, I was looking up stuff on Danny Gatton and um, Roy Buchanan. Mm. If you guys know much, two about great players, two yeah, great phenomenal. Players. Players. They're very interesting about. It's just so interesting. Like it, I guess the Danny Gatton reminded me of the whole Robin Williams thing about. Obviously, he had some issues with depression and stuff like that. Sure. Or, you know, um, and I know we've kind of touched on this a little bit before. And I, I'm as artists, everyone deals with the head shit. You know, feeling down on themselves about their playing or what they're doing. What What have you guys dealt with? Or seen that in other people and players that you've come across throughout your, you know, your careers. Lol. <laughs> well, I saw. Okay, there's this piano player. I'm, I'm guaranteeing most everybody here has never heard of him. His name was Finus Newborn. Now, 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 it was really spelled Phineas, but he like he pronounced it Finus. Finus. And um, truly. As far as I'm concerned, one of the greatest pianists, jazz pianists, any kind of pianist to ever walk this earth. Brilliant. Did you say genius. pianist? Pianist. Not penis. No, no. He might have been a penis too. I didn't know him very well. But um, no, pianist. And, and he was kind of nuts. He was kind of known. He had some mental issues. And uh, I saw him play once. I was very young. And he was so great. And he was playing... And then he stopped, and he kind of cried a little bit. And then he started playing again, and it was like the most brilliant shit. And then he was obviously having some sort of emotional thing right there on the stage. And I remember saying to my other friend, who was, he was a bass player that we kind of grew up together and played a lot, I said to him, I don't ever want to be that good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, <laughs> but no, yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of people are tortured. You know, Van Gogh yeah. ripped his ear off. You know what I mean? And I like to say I have Van Gogh's ear for music. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's you don't really know. Like you know, we hear about these guys. Danny Gatton's one. Uh, Lenny Bro. Uh, Lenny Bro. Um, they're more. I can't think of all the guitar Roy players. Of, I don't know anything that much about him. Roy. I'm not sure. But, I mean, they I'm had drug s- issues, they had yeah. mental issues, they had anger issues, you know, and it does seem, it's also like it's Hollywood. We love to attach brilliance with that sort of tortured artist mm. thing, you know, and I'm not saying it doesn't coexist, but then there's a lot, or like Charlie Parker, who, you know, was a junkie, right? And He was brilliant. I mean, if he'd never touch it, you still had a high-end creative genius there. And I think we have a tendency to kind of throw the throw it all together and romanticize it because it makes good movies. Well, also we have a tendency to think that it's about music. It might not have anything to do with music. Oh, for sure. You yeah. Know, I mean, who knows why if somebody kills themselves, it might have absolutely nothing to do with the fact of what of what they think about their own playing. Mm. Might have been a problem with the wife. Yeah. You know, or some family issues, or they just got dumped by their girlfriend. It could be anything, right? So it's kind of silly to assume that everybody who has problems with drugs, it's because of music. But I know for a fact that some are. Some guys hate their playing so much, they need to medicate because they're really tortured by their own playing. They hate their playing so much. Doesn't mean they're going to stop doing it because they continue, continue to try, but they really hate it, and they—that is why they're medicating. And I only know that because I know these people. Yeah. 
So and some uh, guys turn to religion. Okay. Yeah. And which, you could say that's in some cases, the way it's used by certain people, it, it's not much different than a drug. Yeah. If, if it's being, if, you know what I mean? If it's not really used to find a higher space, but if it's used to medicate from something else, then granted, it doesn't have the physical detrimental problems that it might have. But, you know, the motivations for you doing things and the way you use it, you can use all sorts of things for all sorts of things. And, you know, I mean, we joke about it a lot. I, I personally like to joke about it. It's just, you know, we're all just people and we're all trying to do the best we could. And, and you didn't even bring up the point of like what happened to them in their childhood and, and their yeah. experiences and what, yeah. or if they had a physical malady. You know, so I just read this really great book about Charlie Parker that he'd had a really bad accident and was in really bad pain. And that was his first introduction to drugs, to, to, to the morphine, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... Um, which changes the whole, changes the whole mystique of what everybody wants to think about Charlie Parker. Yeah. If this is, if this was just like it'd be oxycontin today, and no one would even think a damn thing about it. Mm -hmm. Chick was a junkie before. You know, we speak talk about religion. You know, I I always say bad things about Scientology because I'm totally against it. But um, but when you think about it, Chick was a junkie. And he turned to Scientology and got off drugs, could have saved his life. Probably did save his life. So I'd rather be a Scientologist than be dead. Mm. So there you go. You know, everything wow, has its... Wow, write this day down yeah. in history. I don't think you've ever said that before. <laughs> no. no. And it's a very close. It's a very... It's, it's close. It's really close. But, but um, still, yeah, there's, there's... You can't... You can't know. That's the whole thing. We we talk no. about this stuff, but you never know what somebody went through as a child. You never know what they're going through in their marriage or their relationships. And we all want to think it's all about music. You know, I can tell you, I've been depressed before, and it wasn't about music. <laughs> music was very low on my list of priorities in my life when I've had some really bad things happen to me, and I'm like, fuck music. That's not. That's <laughs> that's the last of my worries, mm -hmm. right? And there's a lot more important stuff yeah. to be depressed about if it, when things go bad. Yeah. So, 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 and, and, and I am known for one of those guys who comes off the stage every once in a while going, I suck. But I know how to, I know how to balance it. So like, like, it never lasts more than a day with me. I can be pissed off because I thought I played like shit, you know, the night before, but I'm ready to try it again the next night. And the chances are I'm going to have another a, a, a great gig to make up for it. And I know that. Hmm. So I'm not saying I don't get depressed, because I do. Because I have nights where I feel like I just completely suck ass. But I just know, and I know there's going to be more. <laughs> but I, know I have a lot to look forward to. <laughs> I got a and lot to look forward to. And that's the bright side. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's going to be some great ones. But you know, like so now, I'm, I'm cool with it. You now know? you're older. So, but young Scott Henderson, how was he with that? Pretty much the same. Yeah. I, I, I have always been pretty balanced when it comes to hatred for myself. <laughs> I read a really good book when I was very young. It's called it's called Compassion and Self-Hate. I actually recommend that everybody in the world read it. It's uh, like okay. my Bible. Yep. It's yep. my Bible. It's what I live by. Mm -hmm. Right? It's by Theodore Rubin, who was the head of the American uh, Psychiatrist Association for many, many years. I'm not 
really sure if he's still alive, but he wrote this book called Compassion and Self-Hate. And it's an amazing, amazing book. And it basically just teaches you how to be good to yourself. Yep. And, and how not to let bad things affect your, your life, you know, basically. Uh, to, 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 try to, re to try to realize that, that you're a, you deserve to be happy. And you can get through whatever you need to get through and still be happy, right? So when I would be really depressed because of this or that, I would turn to some of the things that were in that book and I'd realize, you know what? I've got a roof over my head. I've got food to eat. What do I have to be unhappy about? It's, it's, but you still need to practice. You know, still need to practice, <laughs> definitely. But You need you to know, do more than I buy mean, the book. You've got to read the practice. Yeah, You've you got to practice and just, buy the book. There's just, it's just we're, we're not brain surgeons. We're guitar players. We're entertainers. Mm. If we play wrong notes and play, have a bad night, nobody's going to die. <laughs> it's not all that important. You know, so we're just, we're just, we have, a, we, have <laughs> we have a, we have a fun life, you know, doesn't say that we're trying not to do our best to further the art and further our, our experience and further our talent, which we are, but you can't get it, let it get to the point where playing becomes stress because if you're not relaxed, you're not going to play well. And the only thing that can make you relaxed is having a good attitude about yourself and about your surroundings and just, you know, I'm not saying that a certain amount of angst doesn't make for a good gig. Sometimes it does. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you can be angry at somebody and go on stage and have the best gig of your life. You know, emotions are a good thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I'm talking about that kind of self-loathing where you walk on stage hating yourself, thinking you're a terrible musician, you're unlikely to have a good gig. Mm -hmm. But if you walk on stage with some swagger, like, hey, you know, I'm a badass. I know I have room to improve. I'm still a badass. Yeah. You know, hey, that doesn't say I can't room people to... People like to, me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you go on stage and you feel, you feel like that you have something to say to the audience. And uh, one thing that really, really just screws me up man is when i go on stage and the light guy has all the lights shining on the band and you can't see a soul in the audience you mm. feel like you're playing in a black hole yeah can't do it yeah i'd rather not play i tell the light guy look we want to see these people's faces these people came here to hear us let's see these beautiful people out here right and they show shine the lights on the people and everybody's happy and you see that there's people that are really waiting to hear you play they want to hear your music and that makes me feel like playing yeah you know oh, so the black so, hole things horrible oh it's terrible it makes you feel like you're playing in a vacuum it's just yeah. awful yeah, it's 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 one of the reasons I I'm not that crazy about playing in the studio because I sort of feel like I miss the audience. I'm not I've never been as good in the studio I think as I as I am on stage. I I just think I've always been a better live player than a studio player. Yep. But but I miss I miss the feedback of the audience. I miss looking into somebody's face and seeing that they're really enjoying themselves. It makes it makes me feel like playing more. Inspires me. So um, I like that. I feed off the audience. And when the audience is dead and you're getting kind of a really bad response from the audience, I'm not going to say it doesn't affect my playing. It does. It makes me feel like, ah, oh, they're, not, they're not really digging this. Then I try to get on the mic and make them laugh. And then when they loosen up, they clap more. They, they seem like they're into it more. So I'm not just a guitar player. I, I feel like I'm an entertainer sometimes. And I need to be sometimes. Yeah. 
because if the audience is stiff and they're boring, then I need to get up on there and tell some jokes, loosen them up, make them laugh. Tell and a then, joke now. Come on. Well, I'm, I'm laying over here. Well, okay, I'm, well, I'm then, having a good time. All right. Well, let's see. How about the three do uh, the two Dobermans at the vet? I know that one. <laughs> I know. So I'm not going to make me happy. Is that not going to make you happy? <laughs> no, no. What about the talking dog? Do a talking dog. Let's do that. Okay. So the, so the, so there's a, a, a sign and, and it's on a fence and it says talking dog for sale. And the guy says, whoa. And he stops at the house and he goes up to the door and he asks the guy, you got a dog that talks? And he says, yeah, he's out in the back. Go check it out. So he goes back there and there's, there's this black lab and he's there and the guy goes, you talk? The black lab goes, yeah. <laughs> he goes, whoa, what is your story? And the lab says, well, they, they, they found out I could talk when I was a puppy. And because of that, they turned me into a spy. I was like James Bond. I traveled the world. I was like everywhere. I was doing all this stuff for the CIA, you know, because who would suspect the dog? You know, I'm one of the most decorated spies in the business. Then I got a little old for that. I decided to be an airport security dog. And I'm responsible for more drug bust at the airport than any other dog because I could hear the drug dealers talking and stuff. And, you know, I'm I'm highly decorated police dog. And the guy's just blown away. And he says, what are you doing now? He says, well, I retired. You know, I had a couple kids, you know. So the guy's just like, this is just insane. So he goes to the door of the house and he knocks. He says, how much do you want for that dog? The guy goes, 10 bucks. He says, 10 bucks for that dog? Why are you selling him so cheap? And he goes, because he's a fucking liar. He never did any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm Pearl. happy again. Now you can go ahead and suck on the guitar. That was worth it for me. Now you know the secret to my thing, right? Tell a joke. Yeah. Smile yeah. when you play the blues. Yeah, there you go. I've seen Bruce do this a hundred times at his gigs. You know, the audience is kind of, eh, maybe they're a little lackluster. Bruce gets up the mic, makes them laugh. Just, do yeah. the same thing, you, you know, you are, just try I, to get I him love, in a good mood, you know. I love what you do. I think that's probably why I gravitated towards towards Bruce. And a, a lot of people like that, it's just, you you can make you can make it fun. Well, you know, you yeah. can make a boring night fun yeah. Well, yeah. By, well, the, by how you respond to the audience. I mean, I wanted, actually, originally to be a, a comic, a comedian. When did but that the, stop? Well, but I realized I got more laughs with my playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. I made a whole career out of getting laughs with my playing, definitely. <laughs>